focusing on an emerging generation of kings. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four, seven to twelve. We send the blessings and the peace of God to the flooded areas all over Nigeria. We ask in the name of Jesus that the mercy of God locates people in those regions, that souls are preserved, and that the Lord will cause there to be practical activations that will bring not just immediate relief but also long-term solutions to these challenges. In Jesus' name, we've prayed. 2 Corinthians 4, I have a lot to say about that, but I don't want to get into politics this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 12. If you are there, go there very quickly. Actually, for time's sake, let's read from just verse 16, 7 to 12. I'll read for time's sake. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side. Finances, emotional, environmental, physical, cultural, spiritual, social, hard pressed, lights on stage, on every side. Yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed. There are things happening that we can't really understand. We can't intelligently articulate, which was a very tough thing, very challenging thing, particularly um, for Paul because Paul was a brilliant lawyer, right? Paul was intelligent. Paul was articulate. Paul had the capacity to take invisible concepts and distill them into thoughts that are still blessing us 2,000 years later, right? But Paul said, this is nice. Even me, I'm perplexed. I can't even explain it. Can't explain it. Jesus, your love is so amazing. Some people were not born when that song was released. Then. Live. <laughs> it makes me want to stomp. All right, let's stomp into the word. Right? Paul says, there are things happening I can't explain. Please look at your neighbor say, it's okay if you can't explain it. One of the reasons a lot of people have mental health challenges, particularly those who do that in the church, is that there's a theology that has taught people that you must be able to explain everything. Otherwise, you are not spiritual. Has anybody heard anything borderline? Right? You must be able to explain it. God is not a mystery. Life is not a mystery. If you add one plus one, two will happen. But when you check some of those lives, they've had issues. For example, a lot of ministers have expressed this at some point or the other where by the grace and the mercy of God, the anointing of God upon their life is healing other people. But there comes a time where a family member, a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, gets into an ailment and somehow, come on now. Some of you possibly know one, two, three, or four pastors that they pray for people and they get pregnant. Double. Twins. But the pastor himself has not, are you getting that? Look at your neighbor say perplexity is a part of life. Are you getting that? There are things you can't always explain. It's not a function of ignorance or canality or stupidity or irresponsibility. It's a function of in this life, Jesus said you will have 
comes, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Does it mean you just let everything go into public? Say no. But there are things that happen that you may not always be able to explain. He said we're perplexed, but what? We're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken or abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. What are we doing? Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in the body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. What Paul was saying is that death that is working in the apostles, in the leaders, in the disciples, is producing life in somebody else. That's the order of life. Death in the womb produces a baby outside of the womb. The baby dies to that womb and then lives into a new world. Jesus in the tomb produces life through the womb of the tomb. Jesus dies in the tomb, but his life becomes democratized beyond the tomb. Are you here? So every time something is dying in your life, God is using that death in your life to produce life in somebody else's life. This is what Paul was saying, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. So the oddness of God is that in the earthly experience, death produces life. It's the silence for me. It's like I don't want this life. Death produces life. How does that work? You have a seed in your hand, a baluma seed or orange seed. How many of you know for that seed to become a tree, it has to die? John chapter 12, verse 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, then it abides alone. However, when it dies, media company, John 12, 24, however, when it dies, shall bring forth much more fruits. What it means is, sometimes you are the seed that is dying. So that much more fruits will come out of you. Are we here? So I want to give us in the service, I gave us some pressure points and source of pressure on all of that last week. In today's two services, we're going to look at uh, why the pressure may be getting worse. And as we look at it, we're also going to see what you can do to make sure you don't get sucked or stuck or stalked in the pressure. Amen. Amen. On Wednesday, we'll get more practical. And I'll, I'll show you the pressure, the promise, the personal responsibility. In other words, for every pressure point, there's a promise of God. Yes. And for every promise of God, there's a personal responsibility. And then I'll show you the picture that is going to come out of it. So, for example, what's the pressure? Jesus got to die. Man doesn't like pressure. So, G Peter said to Jesus, No! Jesus, you will not die. Jesus, you won't go through this pressure. Jesus said, If I don't go through the pressure... You will not fulfill the promise. 
fulfill the promise, the picture I have in mind will not be done. So nobody wants to die, but everybody wants multiplication. Look at your neighbor and say, death is the bridge to multiplication. You know why Jesus dealt with a death issue? Because it's man's greatest threat. The worst that could ever happen to you in this life is death. Are you seeing that? It's not shame. Shame can be really bad and tumultuous. Guilt can be very nagging. And the Lord is going to free people from shame and guilt in the service. But that's not all because if it's shame, how many of you know that shame is contextual? So when somebody has shame in a certain place, they can relocate, right? And people don't know them. So people sometimes escape to start a new life because shame is contextual. So in this part of the world, if somebody maybe spent a long time in school and has not graduated, it can be shame. Failure, maybe carryovers, etc. that can be shame. In some other parts of the world, the person is celebrated for consistency and perseverance. Not shamefully, for real. Are you getting that? So shame is contextual. Another example, in this part of the world, if you're heating for many women, heating your late 20s to early 30s, there's the pressure, when will you marry? In some parts of the world, there is no pressure. Why y'all? Some parts of the world, some of you want to go to. (laughs) Is the the guttural laugh for me? So shame can be contextual. Therefore, if you have shame, you can change the context. That's how come people become millionaires by telling stories of their shame that they've overcome. They write a book, a podcast in America, a TV show. But death is not contextual. Death is death in every culture. So if somebody dies in Nigeria and is really certified dead, you don't carry the person to China. So, it's not contextual. So Jesus did not deal with contextual problems primarily. He dealt with the universal problems. Oh, yours. Come on, somebody. Some of you, some of you didn't get how powerful that is. Some of you, did you get that? He dealt with the big issues, which is death and the fear of death. Because the fact that death is defeated does not mean you're still not afraid of it. So, for example, cockroaches. Some people here are still scared till tomorrow of cockroaches. Come on. Is, is that so? Why are you wasting the blood? It's a cockroach. Don't worry, just be laughing so we don't know it's you. That's it. Wall geckos. Snakes. People get scared of those things, but here's the deal. A lot of people get scared of those things when they are alive. But how many of you know that even when they are dead, some people are still scared of it? Do you know? Some say dead wall gecko, dead mosquito, dead, they're still afraid of it. It's oh <laughs> somebody thought I some people thought I meant that even when they are dead, they're still afraid. 
And then the, when, the, when the items, the objects, the animals are dead, some people are still afraid, right? So something can be dead and you're still scared of it. Death is dead. And many believers are still scared of death. You know what the Bible says? That death is swallowed up in victory. That means Jesus took death, sliced it, diced it, chopped it, swallowed it, and he pooped it. So when you poop something, the poop is used for fertilization. So death is divine fertilizer for life. Oh, come on, y'all. Talk to me now. See, let me tell you something. You have not really started to live until you've seen death in the face. When I say death, I don't mean it happens to you. You have to have a psychological understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Spiritual and psychological. Not just spiritual. Spiritual and psychological. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you own it to be true in your body. So Jesus dealt with the most extreme issue first. Then he gave us the power over that thing. So to deal with pressure without coming from a place of resurrection and the victorious life is just to have a bunch of technical tips. And you're not operating from a place of divine life. Are we here now? Someone shout, I'm not scared of death. Shout it louder. Now say, I carry the life of God. Say, I'm loaded with the life of God. I'm equipped, I'm empowered, I'm strengthened with the spirit of life. In the name of Jesus, I carry so much life. I'm loaded with so much life. I'm a life dispenser. I live out my days. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to pressure. I mount pressure on pressure. Say, I mount pressure on pressure. In the name of Jesus, release victory shout right now. Let me tell you what's true. Let me give you some perspective. How many of you know that 10 years ago, there are many things we are very bothered about inside this life? This same earth. Not the new earth. Though. Not the new Jerusalem. The old Nigeria. You thought it was the end of your life. Maybe if you had a carryover or you road jam three or four times or something. Or maybe you fell. You had some pain around your ankle. In your mind, that was the worst thing that could happen to you. How many of you are dealing with pressure right now that you wish you could replace them with those ones? <laughs> Come on, y'all talk to me. What has happened? Has that become less painful? No, you've become bigger in capacity, stronger in character, wiser in decision making, stronger in the spirit. So why is the pressure getting worse? What are some of the reasons the pressure might be getting worse? Media, if you get a PDF, is it going to distract you? Should we just go old school this way? Should I send you the PDF? Let me know. Number one, maybe the pressure is becoming getting worse because you don't know why the pressure is getting worse. 
Maybe that's number one. We're gonna give you a couple of points. Number one, the pressure might be getting worse because you don't know why the pressure is getting worse. Genesis 42, 29 to 38. Genesis 42. Let me show you something. 29 to 38. Why is it important for us to, to know all those sources and all those reasons? Because if water is dripping in your house, this, let, let's say there's a flood, God forbid, in, in your house, you, the first thing you want to do is to identify the source, right? Now, if you tackle the source, I give you 10 things. If you tackle the source and the water is still flowing, let's say it's getting worse, then you're going to ask the question, why? Genesis 42, 29 to 38 the word says then they went to jacob their father in the land of canaan and told him all that had happened to them saying the man who is lord of the land spoke roughly to us this is this are the brothers of joseph now who are in the foreign land and what had happened was you know all the story they had sold into slavery they lacked grain and they had to go back to the same egypt now Joseph was the prince of the land, the prime minister, so he was the one in charge of food, and then it was sort of like playing games with them just for a while, right? So they said, go and bring, he said to them, go and bring your last child, that's uh, Benoni, Benamin, that's Benjamin, that's his own brother, blood brother, full brother. The man who is lord of the land, that's Joseph, spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country, quickly. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more. Who's that one they were talking about? Joseph, the Lord, they were speaking. Let me prophesy to somebody. The people who think you are no more will discover you are the Lord of the land. That amen are capacity, but let me say for somebody who always needs the second or the third reminder. The people who thought it's over, it's done, it's finished, it's gone. They're about to discover that all the while, God was working something in the back end of your life to build the leadership capacity. As a matter of fact, for some of you, the mindset or the mind share you have in people's minds is dreamer, fantasia. This person with plenty of ideas, all talk and no walk. Well, God has been cooking Joseph in the school of pressure. He has been admitted and enrolled in the University of Adversity. He has gotten his master's degree in maturity and his PhD in perseverance. And right now, he's coming out as a professor of the goodness and the grace of God. I prophesy over everyone who feels stripped of their ego, stripped of their capacity, stripped of their opportunities, like Joseph was stripped of his garments. The glory and the grace of God is about to envelop and decorate you and wear you so naked you are being clad and clothed with the glory and the garments of Yeshua in the name of Jesus and those who sold you into slavery are about to beg you for sustenance they are about to beg you for so much more they are about to beg you for the new thing that God is doing in the land well let me tell you forget FOMO what is FOMO? fear of missing out because Joseph he missed out of all all that was going on in his father's house in Jacob's house whilst he was away sometimes God will allow you to miss out of what's happening in the culture so he can position you for what is about to happen so for some of you who are not following the trend or you don't have enough money to look trendy maybe God is 
fucks me up five to ten seven years from now like who am i speaking to ten years from now let me tell you what i'm really saying joseph was not the happening guy after he left the house he didn't know the evolution of each of his israelite music he didn't know the evolution of the goshen economy he missed out on any technological advancements but at the end of the day when the recalibration of god when the prophetic calendar of god turned and yoruba they say oh yeah bury bury kami when god turned it around all of a sudden joseph who missed out of everything that was happening there also missed out of the famine that was happening there some of you god will put you in a place that does not look like the happening place because you have seen the future for some of us we have to come back to nigeria and folks say pdms how come you didn't are you sure you really heard god well i don't know what you heard but i know my god i heard the voice of god say it is time to raise an army of kings i don't know if i'm sent to you but if i'm sent to you follow me if i respond to prophecy the lord is about to turn it around whilst everybody thinks you might have made a bad decision you missed the mark it was a two for the turn well god is like that man playing cards he keeps his best cards he can nobody can see the cards except you on the same side as him and you can see that he has ace of spades or one king or one queen and all of a sudden last card and check up i came to tell somebody god is checking up on you and he's about to win the game the enemy playing the wrong fiddle playing by the sleight of hand called a magic move on him but there is some general markets that god is going to withdraw some cards and the devil will say what y'all didn't hear what i just said but i fire your name and tell that person we're still on track we're still on track it don't matter how rough the road is if you're in god's car you don't get nowhere oh yeah it don't matter how bumpy the ride is if you're in god's car you don't get there if you're in god's car you don't get there if you're in god's god's ship you will not capsize if you're in god's boat you will arrive alive if you're walking with god you will walk on water i prophesy over your life what the enemy meant for evil is being turned around will you join me in a prophetic move right now do a 360 degree and in your mind and in your spirit in your eyes and in your understanding begin to see a shift begin to see the gradual transformation of the joseph dreamer into the joseph who is the lord of the land the joseph i'm talking about here begin to see everything that god promised you coming to pass he said god is not a man that he should lie he's not the son of man he will not repent has he said it will he not do it has he promised will he not bring it to pass i find your name and tell him god is turning it around said one is no more and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of canaan give it to us that are three let's go then the man the lord of the country said to us by this i will know that you are honest men leave one of your brothers here with me take food for the famine of your households and be gone you know when god was calling lots out of sodom 
He was also calling Lot out of a lot. But it looked like he was missing something. Every call of God will reveal its cost by what you feel you are missing. But every call of God will deliver his returns by showing you the lot of trouble you missed out on and the lot of goodness God has prepared. Somebody here, you want to do something and say, God, don't, and God said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. The Lord is preserving you. Verse 34. Verse 34. Bring your youngest brother to me, so shall I know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant you, grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Verse 35. Let's keep it going. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they they and their fathers saw the bundles of money, they were afraid I could preach all about this. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more because joseph was the lord of the land and as far as jacob was concerned you guys sold joseph 13 years ago said joseph is no more now simeon is no more simeon was the person they put back held back in egypt are we following this so joseph is no more simeon is no more and you want to take my last born my benjamin you want to take benjamin too and he said, all these things are against me. Hard pressed. Oh, come on now. Simeon is gone. Joseph is gone. Benjamin is gone. Or rather, you're about to take Benjamin. Jacob said, all these things are against me all these things are against somebody feels like that god at least if you don't give me a husband give me money come on can we talk okay god don't give me money give me visa you apply for visa they stamped it they, they banned you from fr- flying they did you water, water. You collect water, water. You feel like all things are against you. Why? The way it feels is not always the way it is. See, J- Jacob had had a heavenly manifestation and had wrestled. Are you here? Jacob had encountered the moves and the glory of God. Yet when life happens, he forgets the feel, the weight, the impact of divine dealings. Because pressure has a way of making you forget your prophecy. Jacob, I gave you a prophecy. I said it. 
you, you, if I, Jacob, you struck a deal with me. He said, now God, if you will bring me back and take care of me and bring me out to this place, then I will give you 10% of all. You struck a deal with me. I didn't even need your deal because I was the one who struck a deal with your grandfather. Jacob, you are not the writer of the script. You are on Acts 3, scene 1. So this deal, you are trying to make a deal with me. I'm the one who cut a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant I cut with Abraham was bigger than your family. Your family was the door. <laughs> but the door is always smaller than the room. Are we here? He's dealing with things. Now who gave you those children? God gave you those children. God gave you Simeon. God gave you Joseph. God gave you Benjamin. And you think that because somebody somewhere... God is asking for your last child then I've forgotten my promise what Jacob did not know that the person he was mourning was actually in his greatest time of celebration some things you are crying over are in the best state as far as God is concerned oh my God who can I just speak to somebody I was sent to this morning that you might not see that's the gap for trust trust is not believing my feelings trust is believing my God Trust is not believing what it looks like. Trust is believing the one I look at. He said, look unto Jesus. See, let me tell you, when you saw Jesus on the cross, covenant, if you saw Jesus on the cross, there is no way you would think he's the Savior of the world. You would say to yourself, even if the Savior is going to suffer, not like this. He was like a battered pulp. He had the cat of nine tails that were a combination of shards of broken pieces and thorns that were wound around a long whip. They say it's between nine feet to twelve whip. As the Roman soldiers would throw that thing in the air, like cowboys from Texas, and whip it around his body and then sip that. It was like a shredding machine or a grinding machine. When he was on the cross, there was no part of his body that was not touched with the blood. Only his bones were not broken. It was a bundle of mince meat hanging on an aperture of unbroken bones. If you looked at that, there is no way you would say that's my savior. But God says when the enemy thinks he has beaten you to pulp, I'm going to bring the juice out of this. I'm going to bring glory out of this. I'm going to bring strength out of this. I'm going to bring capacity out of this. If this is not your word, I may understand, but I know I'm sent to somebody this morning. Shout enough to know say, God is ready. Shout from your belly. Ready and always. I dealt with the giants. I tore in the red. Can you shout and nothing is against me? The heartbreak is not against me. The FOMO is not against me. The visa denial is not against me. The hurt is not against me. The loss of a child, that's not even against us. In the name of Jesus, all things are working together. Some people do better when somebody else preaches to them. So please, can you be my assistant deputy preacher today and look for seven people? Please make sure you are preaching to them eyeball to eyeball. Look them square in the eye. Hold them tenderly. Slap them with a hot high five. But make a divine contact and tell them, this is not against you. I don't know what you're going through, but it's not against you. Ah, it may feel hard on your body, hard on your mind, hard on your soul, but it's not
the pressure felt worse for Jacob because Jacob did not know why the pressure was getting worse. He didn't know. Do you know what? If God showed you the deadline for when that thing you're trusting him will happen. You'll be dancing, right? So why doesn't God just show you the deadline? I'll tell you why. It's very simple. And we can say it in different ways. God is more interested in your trust quotient than in your testimonies. God is developing a relationship. You were not made for the garden. You were made for God and put in the garden. So God never wants you to be so obsessed with the garden. The garden is a metaphor for things that are pleasant and nice and comfortable. God wants you to focus on the garden and not the garden. That's why at some point your body will become a part of the garden. But the real you will have eternal fellowship with God. So what's God more concerned about? It's the real you. So that real you is a baby in the spirit or at a certain level of maturity. It needs to be trained because the Bible says do what? Train up a child. So your soul is a child compared to the eternal nature of your spirit. Your soul has to be trained. So the way a child cries, your milk pot on the floor, you're crying. That's the way your soul is like, good. The spirit man is like, oh boy, chill. What's milk? Miliki. Are you here? So sometimes, one of my earlier mentors and pastors, he said, so they they were trusting God for the fruit of the womb for years. It did not happen. A man of prayer, great man, lover of people, lover of people, lover of children, man of prayer. Trusting God for the fruit of the womb didn't happen. Eventually, it happened the 13th or 14th or 15th year or something. 16 or 17 years. Long time. I don't remember exactly between 13 and 17. When I heard I was in London, when I heard I knelt down Oxford Street, if you know how busy Oxford Street is, I said, God, thank you. Well, you know what he said? He said, if I had known what date was going to happen, he said, I almost killed myself with fasting and prayer. He said, I fasted to a point that I was almost going to get unhealthy. Because how do you explain that you pray for other people, they receive their you be, baby dedication, you stand on stage and carry people's babies. He said, if I had known, I wouldn't have stressed myself the way I did. But I think about it and say, there was a work God wanted to do. So I was like, God, don't use me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Any work we want to say <laughs> God please don't be using me. God I beg <laughs> Yeah God He <laughs> doesn't God I think I'll beg you <laughs> You know, there are many things. <laughs> let, let me give you, let me, <laughs> let me give you an example. So, 
coming, they do coding in their school and everything. So now they've started opening files and folders and stuff using a computer. So over the last about two or so weeks, be like, Daddy, can I help you with something on your computer? Can I help you with something on your computer? In my mind, I'm like, yes, you can. But whatever you're doing now is play. In seven years, I will really need you to help me with a lot on my computer. I will do my best to still catch up with everything. I try to, you know, live in generations before and after me. So I, I think I have some solical flexibility to be able to learn new technologies. But you know the way some of us yap our parents that they call it was up. Yeah. By the time this metaverse thing, you just be like that they carry me where <laughs> because you, the tabs will be in the air. Me, I'm telling you now, we're laughing, but we're going to see it in five years. It's going to be complex. It will be complex. Clouds will be jamming clouds. So you might see files that you never owned. Just the same way you already seen material in your explore that you didn't subscribe to. So, get ready for more. <laughs> we're ready for more. So, so see this. He's saying, he's saying, Dad, let me help you. Let me help you. You know, when I start asking him for help then, right? You know, there's going to be a part of him that'll be like, Dad is always sending me. Now, so the work of God be. God, use me. Anytime you want me, I need me, I am yours. Anytime you want me, I need me, I am yours. Anywhere you send me, or lead me, I'll go. I belong. Better song than done. Easier song than done. So why do we sing and say those things? Because we're training the soul. Training the soul. Everybody can stand there and say, Quantry people, I promise to bring change. This is my solemn flea and promise to the Nigerian people. I assure Yo, I didn't have to close. <laughs> Number two, did, did this help? Did this help? Number two, maybe the pressure is getting worse, sir, because you are using vanity metrics to gauge your progress in life. Vanity metrics. What are vanity metrics? Metrics that don't really matter. So number of social media followers is actually a vanity metric except you have commensurate value that is targeted at those people and you need to do some data analytics and check your insights and all of that otherwise just saying i have 50,000 how many of you know that someone who has 3,000 followers on instagram can be more valuable economically socially influentially than someone who has a million so there's a generation that is obsessed with vanity metrics. We're so obsessed with what you're counting in terms of money. 
or in terms of followers or in terms of houses or cars so obsessed and see it's not a new thing jesus dealt with that in revelation chapter 3 from verse 14 so there are many of us who are trying to take up to ourselves what was not allocated to us john said in 327 no man receives anything except it be given him from above now what's true is that something that is given to you it's possible for you not to receive it but when you try to receive more than what is given to you it will cost you a part of your soul are we here so see the vines i love the intense look in your face your eyes you're really listening hi it's you actually that looked back yes just wave say hi that's a nice smile come on see that that's the camera so let's go to revelation revelation 3 14 to 22 real quick please real quick please ouch I want to say I bind you in Jesus' name, but that's, I just hit my knuckles against the. Uh, <laughs> are you see your pain? It's, it's not my knuckle. What was this? Oh, okay, this is the. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I was wondering why they're debating the sight of my pressure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for the care. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things say the amen. That's Jesus, right? I hope you know that. The amen, so shall it be. Says the amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. It does not mean that God was created. It's saying the creation that God embarked on. Right? So Jesus is the amen. Jesus is the faithful witness. Jesus is the beginning. So he's saying to you, I am the beginning. I am the witness. I'm the faithful and true witness. And I'm the amen. This is the deal. Every promise God gives you, everything God is doing in your life has a beginning. And as an amen, that's the benediction. The so it is. You know our biggest problem is between the beginning and the amen. So what God does is that gives us what? And God does it in two planes. He does it in Jesus. Every pressure point you're going through. For we have not a high priest who's not being touched. But the feelings of our infirmities yet was without sin. So he's the true and faithful witness. But the second, secondary thing God does on the earth. He raises other true and faithful witnesses. Those true and faithful witnesses are the people the devil points out to you and wants you to be envious of. But they are the witnesses that speak of the possibilities you're incubating. I hope you see now that the devil is a... Are you hearing that? God will raise human witnesses who look like they are further ahead. Better in some things. They bear witness of the truth that God is the father of all. And what he has begun in you, he began in somebody before you. So the true and faithful witness, he's the true and faithful witness, but he also says, uh, 
tarry, wait, receive power, and shall be my witnesses. We've reduced it to just evangelism. Witness to the truth. Witness to the power. Witness to the testimony. Witness to the prophetic word concerning your life. So every Mary is going to have uh, Elizabeth. So imagine Mary beefing Elizabeth. Say, hey, you even have child before me. Look at your neighbor. Say, stop beefing your witnesses. Tell them, stop envying your witnesses. Can I challenge you to do something? The Lord taught me many years ago. I told my wife a funny story about somebody. Maybe I'll share in the second service. Somebody I used to be envious of many years ago. And it got into very, very uh, deep, deep thoughts. I don't have time to share it. I can see people want me to share it. I won't share inside. <laughs> now second service if you remind me if those on the island remind me and and out of that i said ah okay calm down because this envy matter if you don't take care it will end up in murderous thoughts they are in the same number line one is kindergarten the other one is phd but you're well on your way just a matter of time right the bible even says do good to those that use you so you can imagine people that are just on their own. They're not using you, they're not blessing you, but you're beefing them. People that spite despisefully, another ones are spitefully, they are intentionally. That what we even do. You uh uh-huh, you are finer than me, but I'm your boss. Died here. We cancel it in Jesus' name. Some beef you just because you're finer than them. Right? But why would you blame them when you beef them because they are richer than you? So almost everybody you're envious of has something to be envious of in you. So let's not be envious. Let's be witnesses. We get it? So the temptation to envy and and to be jealous is a human temptation to happen on different levels. But this was one of the things that God taught me. He said, become a student of the success the devil tempts you to become envious of. Become a student of the success the enemy tempts you to be envious of. You may not become the student of the successful person. Because sometimes not the person. It's not like going around in their mentorship class or whatever. It's the result, the process, the timing, the system, the flow, the priorities, the discipline. So for example, in my life, if I'm close to anybody that I feel they're doing great results, either above me or my level, or below my level. And for some interesting reason, I get to attract all three. <laughs> I think a lot of younger people now, you know. But this is, the, this is the point. I always want to ask, what's the back end? Because what's making this thing show is not this thing. If we were to look behind here, you're going to see a lot of cables. So behind it, there is a cost. And sometimes the truth is, you are not even ready to be at that cost. So just stay with your own. <laughs> but sometimes you can learn to be at the cost. And so you can try. Are we, is this good? All right. So when a temptation comes, how do you say, how do you say, Lord, I thank you for the blessing in this person's life. And I just honor you for what you're doing in this place or this person, this body or this church or this family. Now, why do you have to say it? Because one of the ways you train your soul is your tongue. How do I know? James says that the tongue turns the whole body. 
So when you speak well of people, it's difficult for you to think evil of them. Except you are Satan. Ashatana. Because Satan. <laughs> right. So we train ourselves. In fact, sometimes what you do is you send a text message to the person or leave a comment on their posts or you know, all those kind of things. We'll talk about it later. There's another point that is just about that. Number three, and it's a close. Number three, maybe, okay, no, we didn't finish reading that scripture. Very important. Oh, find some metrics. Three, 14 to 22. <sighs> These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, verse 15. I know your works. So you're working, but you have an issue now. The issue is you are neither hot nor cold. Or cold or not hot. I wish you were cold or hot. Because if you're hot, you're, you're burning and I can use you more. If you're cold, then I know you're not burning so I can heat you up. But if you're lukewarm, and this is the thing, please try your best in this life. Don't commit to anything that you intend to be lukewarm in. Either politely excuse yourself, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't handle that now. My schedule is pretty tight. Can you try? I, t- I tell you guys, I, I turned down so many invitations because I want to be the best for God, for my family, and for you. Yeah. Every other thing, including my personal business, in quotes, suffers. Right? Because this, let me, let, me, let me show you what God inspired in my heart. Meditation. It's like we're having a fire chat, a fireside chat this morning. The Lord inspired a thought in my heart. Nobody is resourced enough to be a good friend to everybody. The demands of true friendship are too costly for you to be a good friend to everybody. No one is rich enough to pay all the demands of true friendship to everybody. So part of why some of us are called is that we are overcommitted. Because we want to use vanity metrics to make up for what we think we lack in other areas. Yeah. Oh, can we talk? Yeah. So you think at least if I had a show face for here, show face for here, show face for here, I go surface somewhere. <laughs> but if you show face, show face, show face, you might deface. Even though people call you the face. But even two face has changed his name. Come on, let it out, let it out. He said, I will vomit you. So then, because you are lukewarm and even cold nor hot, I will vomit you, vigorously push you out of my mouth. Verse 17, see now. Because you are stuck on vanity metrics. You say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor. Come on everybody, let's go again. But you do not know that you are miserable, poor. Let me tell you, there are many people that the world is celebrating right now in the secular systems and in the church Who fit right into the description with God? Jesus said in Luke, 
So whatever is greatly esteemed amongst men is an abomination unto God. Please, I want you to do an investigation of your heart to check what really makes me excited. What really makes me happy? What am I really pursuing in this life? Because this is going to be the description of many people. How do I know? People are busy making garments for themselves, but they are naked in God's sight. It is the issue with the first man, Adam. Once he knew he was naked, then he ran into the garden, which is the systems of men. God made things. And was going after things to clothe himself as if God cannot see through. See, God's eyes are deeper than x-ray. God saw through the figs and through the leaves. And you know the figs and the leaves. You know something about them? Once they are cut off from their tree, what will happen? So God was presenting a metaphorical picture to Adam. That anything you pursue in this world to cover yourself will wither by the next day. By the next season. So somebody can be wealthy now and in two years you are looking for the person. Are we here now? Vanity metrics. Let me show you. Still in the same train of thought. And it close now. Jesus said, watch this now. He said, look at lilies of the field. Luke 6, right? Look at lilies of the field. He said, Solomon, they do not spin or toil, but Solomon in all of his glory was not as well clad as any of this. Oh, I need your minds. Part of how you know the wealth of a person is what they put on. God is saying the lily that is growing where God planted it. Nobody looks up to a lily. They look down on it. He said they are here today and they are gone tomorrow. But he says that the work I'm doing organically in that lily is superior to the work that Solomon did to put clothes on himself. And Solomon at the beginning didn't know, but at the end he said, Vanity! Do you know that no lily has ever said vanity upon vanity? Because they grow the way God called them. Vanity metrics. One of the biggest distractions. Matthew 13 calls them the cares of this life. Oh, I need an iPhone 13. But when we go, we're going to get to a point. Some of you need to go and sell your iPhones. Because your iPhone is a distraction from your destiny. What is the point of having a phone with three eyes when in your spirit mind you can't see with one? <laughs> As you're off the <laughs> Take me home. Let's close. I need to leave the stage. <laughs> I, I get in there now. <laughs> Abi, should I? are we here we'll continue the second service we'll continue the second service but did someone get something 
Let's land with that text. Give me the next verse. Let's stand and, and raise our hands to him. See what it now said. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that you, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye ointments that they may see in some cases that you may see that you're actually doing better than you thought you were in God's account integrity weighs more than influence character weighs more than crowds maturity weighs more than money faithfulness weighs more than finances God already told us in Isaiah 55 he told us my ways are not your ways I don't know what were you thinking do you think that God was saying that if you like a car I like a Bentley that's not it's talking about eternal things it's saying don't kill it the only thing he says you kill yourself for is discipleship most expensive course in human history is online and offline facilitator is Jesus what's the duration of the course it's not 3 months it's the lifetime what's the cost your life there's a wipe I did I put discipleship course are you here let's raise our hands to heaven so Lord anoint my eyes with eye souls that I may see anoint my eyes anoint my eyes God anoint my eyes with eye souls that I may see Anoint my eyes, let me see clearly, let me see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, because our eyes see, our heart perceives, our mind knows. Thank you, Father, because we are not crushed, we are not abandoned, we are not forsaken. Thank you, Father, for the witnesses you are sending to us per time. Thank you because you really never leave us, that along the way of the pressure, you send a word, you send a message, you send some relief, you send some answers, you send some comforts. You are always with us. And for that, we say thank you. For that, we say thank you. We thank you, Father, because you never, you're with us till the end of time. We will stand. And after doing all, we will stand in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Can someone thank God for a very specific and helpful... generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.